Welcome, everyone, to a very special first edition of the new Workpin Podcast, Movie Talk. I'm your host, The Joker. And I'm your host, The Joker. And I'm your host, The Joker. <laughs> and on a serious note, my name is Jad. I'm going to co-host, or actually moderate, this uh, first episode of Movie Talk here for The Workprint. I'm joined by two other writers. Please quickly introduce yourselves. I'm Bassam, and I'm a writer. I'm Christian, and I normally host these all the time. Excellent. So we're going to talk to you guys about a very polarizing movie. I think one of the most horrific movies to come out in 2019, <laughs> especially in this uh, uh, Halloween season. The Joker, or Joker simply, right? Mm-hmm. Starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips. Um, very polarizing flick. Um, it's a movie that I've been struggling with uh, ever since I watched it when it first came out, opening weekend. On, on kind of whether I really like it or not, I'm stuck somewhere in between. But with us today uh, are two staff writers. They're going to be presenting to you guys, um, I think, two pretty different uh, perspectives on the Joker movie. So I'm just going to pass it off to you, Christian. Just explain really quickly what you think about it. And then we'll move on to Bassam's uh, opinion. And then we'll delve into it into a little bit more details. If you have not seen the Joker movie yet... I highly recommend not listening to the rest of this podcast since it's going to be filled with spoilers and an in-depth discussion kind of on some of the philosophical mental health, um, you know, uh, I guess like perspectives that are or implications that are, you know, brought up within this movie too. So I guess this could also serve as a trigger warning. Cool. Uh, yeah. So Joker, uh, I went into this thinking... And actually, to be honest, I didn't have high expectations, and I guess that's that's sort of the problem. Because uh, when I came out of it, um, I wasn't super impressed by the movie overall. I thought it glorified mental illness a little too much. As somebody who comes from a mental illness background, working there in the field for seven years, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of how everything was depicted. I wasn't the biggest fan of uh, the, the Joker kind of background story and how it was kind of mixed into the discussion of mental illness as well simultaneously which is what the movie is praised for the most uh personally i took it as a uh, as a taxi driver to uh or reboot attempt uh, more than a joker movie uh some so i actually really enjoyed the joker uh or joker i felt that the best way i've been telling people about it is i feel like it's kind of, it reminds me of like the old grim fairy tales or a lot of these old fairy tales that we kind of engage with when we're younger, that when they're presented to us, it's this kind of very polished version, very, this like, here's this more with listen to, to get to this lesson of the story and whatever it is. But when you actually research these fairy tales, they have really messed up backgrounds. And the idea is that in order to talk about a certain issue or a certain idea, sometimes you have to present it in these very extreme situations to kind of get the point across. And open it up to an, a bigger audience. And though it's not a perfect movie and it's not a masterpiece, I feel that uh, that Joker does a good job using extreme situations and scenarios to have a conversation about mental health when a lot of people still to this day have trouble acknowledging it, talking about it, or kind of see it as a, just an excuse when it can actually be debilitating to a lot of people. So one of my um, biggest issues with the movie... As someone who doesn't have like a clear-cut opinion on whether it's really good or not, I kind of give it like a B rating if we were going to give it a uh, letter grade. What did you guys think about the overall plot or the story of the film? So it's meant to be a character study, which Christian, you did refer to it as being like a taxi cab or a taxi driver too, mm-hmm. uh, Scorsese kind of ripoff. And um, one of the biggest issues that I noticed with, with that plot and that story is that it does become too much of a character study and it has a lot of surface level um, kind of ideas that are floating around that. Do you think for a movie about the Joker, that's an appropriate um, writing method to use when discussing mental illness? Or do you think that it's much, it's very indicative of what the Joker is as a character, you know, and kind of playing upon the delusions that the film presents? Um, For me, I, it's weird. I, I think as a separate case study on mental illness, I, I kind of love this movie. But because it's the iconic Joker role, because there's such a, a varied history 
and chaotic mythos behind this character, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of giving him motivations to, to his madness, per se. And what I mean by that is, uh, from the portrayal that we see on film, the Joker becomes a very sympathetic character. He's this, char- he's this person who's struggling with the mental illness of like uh, and and with uh, his what is it laughing syndrome or some sort like where he's just constantly like enabled not to laugh and similar uh, to a Tourette almost absolutely yeah yeah and so because of that and his his living situation and this backstory this his history with his mother that we delve into in the movie you feel very sympathetic to him you see how he can kind of go over the edge but that said there was a degree of that Joker lunacy, that madness, that like unpredictability that just wasn't featured in the movie. And because of that, I didn't think this was the Joker. I just thought this was a mentally ill character that was sympathetic, but it wasn't the iconic person that he eventually comes to be. Now, I know that this is supposed to be his origins, but given his, his roots and his backstory... I don't think by the end of the movie I can connect A to B. Like I don't feel like this is somebody who becomes the Joker. This is just... This is just a crazy person who's had a really bad day. And for me, I I just didn't take away from the movie the way that a lot of other people did because of that. But Sam? Well, I actually disagree with a couple of points that you had in that. And uh, well, one thing I definitely want to kind of put out there is that there's a reason why the Joker character... Well, we all know the Joker character, and we usually know him as a very polished individual as, as a superhero, as a supervillain comes. And this movie, you know, it's... Very specific in saying that it's called Joker and not the Joker. The character name is Arthur Fleck instead of the traditional Jack Napier. It's definitely meant to be a kind of alternate take on the Joker. But I think that we're so used to the Joker kind of being his full form and being his kind of like he's already got there that any type of origin is definitely difficult to tackle. And that's why something that Dark Knight really did well with each other's Jokers, they kind of left a little bit mystique, but... If you're going to dive into a character like that and give it appropriate or give it a origin story, because like, for example, The Killing Joke is one of my favorite comic books, though it is established as a origin story. It was meant as a not canon story. It was meant as just this alternate thing. Mm-hmm. And people kind of took it as canon. And I think this movie does a good job developing this character. And like I said, it puts them in very extreme situations to show you how someone can be pushed over the edge and when I look at a supervillain, thinking of all the supervillains... I mean, comic movies have been pretty much dominating the film landscape over the past, what, 10, 15 years? You can argue even more, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And seeing so many different villains being presented on screen, there has to be a point where I think in making a good supervillain or a good bad guy, you have to be with him until he does something that pushes you away. There has to be a point where he loses you. Uh, an example of this is Killmonger in Black Panther. Have you seen Black Panther? Yeah. Okay. So, spoilers if you haven't seen Black Panther, but shame on you. So, <laughs> Killmonger, for the lot of times you listen to what he's saying, you're like, this makes a lot of sense. And then he just, like, starts killing people and destroying all the plants and pretty much, like, telling everyone to fuck off and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, this point where you get, you know, we have to kind of go against him. And with the Joker, or the Joker movie... I think Arthur Fleck, you, you're in a situation with him where you're not sure what's going on. You're not sure what's exactly in his control. The movie wants you to doubt him. And then when you're finally presented with the real information and what you find out, so this is the first really big chunk of spoilers, I guess we'll say, is that he was raised in a household with just his mother. The mother uh, at some point reveals that his uh, father is Thomas Wayne. And while he's doing research, he finds out that she's been lying. She has history of narcissism and all these other mental illnesses. Uh, Her ex-boyfriend beat Arthur when he was a kid to the point where he suffered from severe brain trauma and was just abused and all these issues. And that's what could be the the spark of this laughing condition he has. Or maybe it's, we don't know if it's exactly mental or if it's physical from trauma, but there's definitely a connection to it. And at this moment where you say, like, oh, my God, this guy's been through so much stuff, you think, okay, how would I go in that situation? And then he goes to, and kills his mother. And that line there is supposed to be the line where we lose him. Like, that's the line where it's like, we understand, we, we get it. We, we know why you're upset, but you went too far. And I think that that 
moment because you saw how well his mother treated him in his adult life. You know how much she cares. She cares about him, and I think that's what kind of got to the point where you're able to have that distance. I think the movie did a good job kind of giving you as much to feel about Arthur, and then eventually kind of pull you away from it. I'm going to stop you both right here because a lot's been kind of said, and I want to focus in on one or two points. Um, you brought up the Masan brought up the killing joke a little bit earlier, right? And um, you made a very important distinction in saying that it's not an official origin story. However, it's kind of an interpretation of what an origin of the Joker or Joker uh, could be. And I think the the real beauty of that, and that's something that the film utilizes, and also the Dark Knight, Chris Nolan's film also utilized too, is that you're presented with this delusion as a reader, right? You don't know whether the Joker is telling you the truth or not. Mm-hmm. And that is something that the current Joker film plays on. He's yep. experiencing these delusions throughout the whole thing with his supposed girlfriend, with how he perceived his mother. And in the Dark Knight trilogy, it's more it's done more through dialogue when you know Heath Ledger is kind of explaining his quote-unquote origin on how he got a scar you know, differently to, to different people. So... With within this movie, you're kind of getting a shift on the identity of who the Joker's meant to be, right? Because traditionally speaking, the Joker's more of the shaman kind of role. He's kind of chaos embodied or, or personified, rather, mm-hmm. into the Batman universe or DC universe. And in this film, he's shifted out to be more of this individual who's placed under extreme abusive situations, right? Who has... Um, kind of like a, a mental health um, response to that extreme environment, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't know that there's something biological kind of going on there. And then the third thing is that it just kind of occurs. And I think that's my main issue with the movie, right? He's too much like the character of Job in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. This is an individual who is already in the circumstance, you know? And I, and I think as a viewer and as a writer too... I don't think it was built up enough throughout the entire film to kind of develop that attachment to him or to kind of create the distance necessary in order to push him over the line mm-hmm. in which what you brought up the song, right? Well, uh, I guess I'll talk about two things. Uh, well, yes, there is going back to the Heath Ledger Joker. And I don't want to make this comparison too much because a lot of people have been making these comparisons. You're looking at two very different Jokers. Um, a Joker who is polished and is in his full form. That's so Heath Ledger's Joker was controlling the delusions. Uh, Arthur Fleck or Joaquin's Joker is not controlling it because it's the beginning of it. Yes, the Joker is supposed to be the shaman character, but the reason why they don't do the origins because before you become that shaman, before you engage in that type of chaos, you have to have like a starting point. So this movie. It's difficult to compare the two characters because it's different different stages of the, who they are. The Killing Joke did a little bit of like who Joker is before the accident, the inciting incident. Uh, but when it comes down to the point of how the movie set up things, I think the movie does a good job in providing the pressures, the constant pressures on the character. I think the movie does a good job with showing you enough sympathy for him. And I think the movie does just enough to push you away from him. And I think the ambiguity... The ambiguity... (laughs) Ambiguity, yes. Ambiguity of it is that they want you to be undecided on them. Which some people can say is lazy writing. And they have their rights to do it. But just as, you know... Okay, so his first official kills. His first official acts of chaos is killing the three uh, Wayne Tech bros, right? Yeah, the, the Wayne Wall Industry Street bros. people, whatever. Yeah. yeah, who work for Thomas Wayne. So, yeah, he was being pressured. He was being uh, made fun of and harassed. And as a guy who literally just cannot handle situations well, he went for the easy fix. He also experienced some 
or like a threat of direct violence, right? It looked like they were about to hit him in mm-hmm. that subway. To some extent, yeah. yeah. He had the experience prior him yes. when the gang of children had beat up upon him there too. Mm-hmm. So I don't perceive that to be chaotic or a chaotic response. It's an extreme response. But again, you're presented with someone who's in an extreme situation that is then responding to kind of that type of... I don't think it flows into to, to chaos necessarily, as opposed to vengeance, right? I think that was a very vengeful moment. That that could be a line mm-hmm. that he had crossed that's kind of unforgivable, because regardless of the situation you're in, you're not supposed to commit something like murder, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to go into the helps of that. Oh, uh, I, just, I was just going to say I completely agree, and it helps build the world, because once he crosses that threshold, people don't hate the fact that he murdered these people. People kind of celebrate it. And it builds the whole mythos of the killer clown. But that is, but that is the, the lead towards chaos. Like these parts, these parts are steps to it. Think of what chaos truly is. There is the, the opposite of chaos is rule. It's order. It's that's why Batman is such. Is like that's why Joker is a perfect foil to Batman because Batman has rules. Yes, he operates in the gray area, but he has things he follows. There is structure. Society has structure. And that even though Joker's original intentions in these movies were more driven by by uh, by vengeance or direct response, which is true, there is a point where he's Arthur Fleck. Though the whole thing is like, I'm doing this because this is what I'm supposed to be told. I'm doing this because it's that. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to work so I can pay. I'm supposed to do this so I studied this. I should be able to to be able to be a comedian. I did this research. It should be funny. I did these things. It's like he's saying like I have doing this and that and that and the fact that he's getting pushed towards them, that in order to get to the extreme of chaos, you have to push in one. Ex- it's like think of, think of. Like a swing, right? If I pull a swing all the way to one side. The moment I, if I pull it so, so far and I let it go, it's going to go to the complete other side. It's not like small little pushes. Yeah. And like the end of that movie is the chaos. And I think that the steps they take does bring to a well-deserved end for the moment like that. Joker, you think he's, okay, he has his plan. He's going on the Murray show, the, the fake talk show. Mm-hmm. He knows that he says, you want to hear a joke? Knock, knock. And he does the motion like he's practicing to kill himself. People are like, oh my God, he's going to go on TV and shoot himself. And at the very and then in that moment he's going this stuff. He's starting to question everything. He's starting to challenge these protocols, what you do in the show, and how you do things. And he says, "Fuck it." He kills Murray. That's his first act of chaos. In the fact of like this, he's past the point of just straight vengeance. And then when he is being arrested, it's after him saying like, you know, this and that. You can't tell me what to do. And then he sees the protest, which sparked from that from his previous decisions. Even though his was a small act in an isolated incident, it snowballed into this crazy kind of response. And that's what the true definition of chaos is. It is the it is the small pebble that leads to the avalanche. And in that moment, he relishes in it. And he says in the beginning, I just want to be happy. I just want to make myself happy. And at the very end, when he's standing on the car door, He's he's being praised by the protesters, and he's in the mental hospital. He's the happiest he's ever he's ever been, and it's in fucking insane. It is so ridiculous that he's at that point being going through all the stuff, and he's the happiest you see him in the whole movie. And that's what the real aspect of chaos is: it's flipping everything we know and being in a situation where this should not be right. These things should not match up together, and the fact that they are so perfectly for him. That's what makes it ridiculous. So it does build up to chaos. I don't think the way you define chaos was, was completely uh, right. But at the same time... Well, I mean, it is obviously disorder and all that. But you're saying this like it's like the spark that causes that, right? No. That's not what it's, I said. Well, you said that earlier. No, you I did. said... You were saying there's like a little pebble leading up to, to kind of that moment, right? And I think that's the issue. That's the problem. You're seeing this guy that's telling you he's going to become explosive at the end, Right. You're not you're not getting these moments. It's kind of like the inverse of some of the other DC movements, mm-hmm. where you have these very spectacular moments that are built into the film, yeah. but they're not actually built up to in the plot. Mm-hmm. I think the Joker movie or Joker is kind of using the inverse of that. He's just being shit on. He's mm-hmm. already in this situation mm-hmm. because he's the Joker, you or he's Joker, a Joker, whatever. Um, you know he's going to delve into that chaos at the end. 
yeah. regardless of what is happening. Because he's right? going to become the Joker. Because he's going to become the Joker. So I think it actually takes away a lot from that. There's a mystique when something is purely chaotic, right? Because you know, you're trying to impose order upon it. And I think that's how Joker has been tradi- traditionally displayed um, within you know the DC books and previous movies. Mm-hmm. If we were to take the Heath Leather Joker, for example, yeah, you know, this is a guy. He's not targeting like you know um, people who directly hurted him. You know, what I mean, yeah. he's like attacking random innocent people. He burns the stack of money. He burns he the stack of money. It. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he ends up wanting to start targeting Batman, which is where he comes out into to the foil, right, and eventually takes uh, what's his name, Two Face and Rachel, mm-hmm. and puts them in that very precarious situation. But in this movie, you're, you're getting essentially this archetype, right, mm-hmm. of the white male, if you will. And, and this is kind of where the incel argument yeah. goes into with the movie. And he's just like Joe. He's just in the situation. He's constantly being shit on. You know he's going to break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, right, so for me personally, a big reason why I wasn't sold on the ending chaotic moment is because it led to the creation of Batman. There are too many things that tied back to the uh, the Batman universe just for the sake of convenience for me personally. And one of them was because of the riots, one of these protesters or whoever, chaotic people just kind of doing this fucked up shit. He ends up finding Bruce Wayne's parents and shooting them in the alley, which indirectly was created by the Joker. And then earlier they played on the idea that Joker might be Bruce's other weird brother because there's an infinite connection between the two. He even goes to visit him at the mansion because he might be Thomas Wayne's son. I didn't think all that stuff was necessary, personally, which is why I say, at least I think, that this isn't a Joker movie. This is just somebody mentally ill who goes kind of crazy because... None of that stuff really added to the film for me, personally. It just seemed like we had to throw it in there because it's Batman, and we had to hit to this point because it's Batman. And for me, I wasn't fully sold on the on the him embracing the Joker role towards the end. I just thought he did something fucked up. That's about it. I personally think this is a scripting issue, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it could be done intentionally to make you question it, and I think that's what Todd Phillips was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, absolutely. But... This, the subtleties of the movie, I think, is where, where it kind of divides people over this, right? Because when I came into the movie, instead of having low expectations, I was exposed to kind of the two extreme opinions on what was going on with this flick, right? So people were loving it, saying it's this great masterpiece, it's going to reinvent the genre, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you had other people who were like, oh, this is a pro-incel type of movie yeah and todd phillips is just you know a part of this whole kind of toxic masculine masculinity culture um you know and and i think there's a bit of truth in both ends of it Mm -hmm. in that regard but i think the movie kind of you know one doesn't adhere to any of those extreme things Mm -hmm. right so to present with you two extreme opinions that i heard the first one on the more positive side was that it was kind of this outcry for um, like a need for a socialist leftist like movement. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's in a very bad class position, very bad economic position, and he cannot get the meds that he needs mm-hmm. because of the social work, which I thought that was a really brilliant inclusion. That was, yeah. Kind I'll of give you the that. story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of don't really hear much about that. You know, you don't see his mom. Like she, she does, she's not getting the care that she needs, mm-hmm. but she's just kind of placed into the background there. And it doesn't, I don't feel, hit the depth necessary to kind of make a claim like that, to kind of give credence to a claim like that, to mm-hmm. a big point. You yeah. know what I mean? And they play it off a little bit in the end of the movie with those protests and that kind of almost revolutionary feel mm-hmm. where everyone's putting on the Joker face as opposed to, let's say, the V for Vendetta mask mm-hmm. that we see in current protests. Um, but I think the scripting of it, the use of the dialogue and the word choices doesn't convey the type of ideology that it could have been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Todd Phillips relied too much on script to do that. So, for example, if we were to look at Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men. Yes. He's a director and, and this artist is making or he's commenting a lot on the economic or the class of struggle of this society not through dialogue, but focus on the scenery, the focus on the action that's happening behind yeah. the protagonist, right? I think that's something that's very heavily lacking in Joker. I agree and, with you. And this that. can be, you know, really talked about in the uh, end scene 
like when he's when he's talking to Murray near the end, yeah, and he's going off this rambling. It's like, what do you expect of the society that's treating you know me this little puny thing as a terrible guy? Like, how else am I supposed to react? This is my only you know kind of vacuum or, or way out of it, right? Yeah. Which again, I think it counters the kind of chaotic aspect of what Joker is supposed to be because now he's giving a reason to this, right? Exactly that that I had issues with, yeah. Kind of pressure popping in within that, and then you have the opposite claims, right? That say he's this like incel type of kid, this kind of you know white male that we should all pity immediately and blah 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 blah. Which no, I don't think that's what the intention of the movie is, and I think there are points in the movie that kind of stands up against that ideology. Um, but again, it's it's done through I think what it is poor scripting, right? Mm-hmm. It's just being able to kind of have these dialogues and these exchanges in order to to convey whatever the intention was, I don't think went through fully, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think it's also partly made up through through the acting skills, right? Because there's yes. a lot of movement within this movie. So what do you guys think about kind of Joaquin's portrayal and what him as an actor has to say through his movements yeah. to kind of personify, if you will, both of those perspectives that you have? Hands down, I think... For the people who are divided about this movie, there's one thing I think universally everyone can agree upon, and that's Joaquin Phoenix's performance as as Joker was fantastic. He does tie this movie together. And because it's supposed to be a character-centric piece, I can see why the script was a little poor in some senses. It's still, again, for me, it, because of the direction the overall themes like went to, uh, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I will say that Joaquin made it up for it in the sense of his, his character study and seeing how he can devolve uh, mentally, per se. Well, I personally don't think it was the Joker, though, really. Um, so? I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. Everyone has known this for a very long time. If they haven't, you need to watch more of his movies. Um, he did a phenomenal job with the subtleties of every aspect of the scene. He was able to re- he was able to rein it in. He was able to, sh- um, to put it on Front Street. He was able to capture different emotions and shifts in emotions and dance quite a lot it's everything about i mean this doesn't like anyone who has an issue with joaquin's actually like acting in that movie is just trying to find a negative thing my friend molly had a really good observation um in this movie specifically is that it's his demeanor right that really um kind of pulls you throughout the, the whole film mm-hmm. and showing his deterioration right and his use of ballet movements, that's something Molly brought up that I thought was really clever, um, that I didn't know how to describe at the time when I was watching the movie. Joaquin does use a lot of, you know, like, I don't want to say contortionist type of movements, but very ballet-like, mm-hmm. where he is bending over, he's so skinny, you see the way he moves his arms. Mm-hmm. It's a very beautiful, um, you know, representation of kind of what the turmoil of that character is experiencing right being shown to you visually yeah and i think that's something the movie does get right and that i love about this movie and also you know as opposed to the to the script right where i where i feel is much more lacking within that that the movements of the character i empathized more with that than i did with the the events and the incidences right mm-hmm. because okay you you have these three wall street bros right these three wayne enterprises tech bros come up to you and, and they're all kind of upset and they're going to pick on him and blah, 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 blah. And then you have, okay, those little kids in the beginning of the film, they come up and they beat the crap out of him. But those events, for me personally, didn't really invoke a type of empathy or a kind of, or a sympathy. I didn't really have that for the character at that point. Yeah. Because you kind of knew it was going to going on because the kid stole the sign from him and he chases after them. So it's like, okay, what's going to happen? He's going to stop and give up and then go and go back. That could have been maybe stronger. Maybe it just shows you that he's, much more normalized in the beginning from that. But it's like, no, he tries to follow them get, to get this like really dumb sign and then finds himself into that situation, right? Yeah. And you can kind of see it set up visually through that. The group of kids are waiting for him. He has to literally walk up and he's tired. And the same thing with the train scene in that regard too. Yeah. But I feel like in the way that he was moving, when you see the bruises on his back, how he constantly has his head down, you know, he is showing you the depression. Yeah. Of, of the character, kind of the, the, the pain through that, which, in my opinion, I thought was absolutely fantastic. I do. But to go with your point there just a little bit, or a little bit of a sidebar, but kind of going along with it, um, the, the neighbor and the uh, his alleged girlfriend, not his girlfriend, and her and her daughter, 
I was under the impression from when I first watched it, and only watched it once, uh, he murders them, right? Or at least that's what I kind of got implied. I didn't see any context to that. And also, I have no idea how the fuck he got away with that, you know? She runs out of the apartment screaming, I think, because he's sitting there on the... I don't think he actually murders her. I he doesn't? He, no. I don't, okay. I don't believe... I mean, I could, <clears throat> I could be mistaken, but I don't believe he actually does go through with it. Okay. I think he just leaves. Okay. I hope so, but I mean, it's. I think it's sort of ambiguous, because I was left with the impression, I'm like, why was that there? I don't know. So, in terms of, I think, the acting, as opposed to the script, do you, do you feel there was a big difference with some? Because I know you, you have a different, uh, or you have kind of like an opposing perspective well, I mean, on kind of that. Whenever you look at character studies, it's obviously going to be focused on acting. That's just the way that the, the basis of the stories come you know, it's like um, if a person's a terrible actor in a character story study, then it's, your movie's not going to work. Um, as opposed to his, the the movements and everything he did, I mean, yes, those, I see it, the, the dancing aspects, I think, really played into the fact of how he desires to be a performer, an entertainer at heart. And like, you know, clowns, we could see them as ridiculous kind of professions or tools of society nowadays. But, you know, the roots of clowns is miming. And, like, miming is really considered, like, a really traditional art that requires a lot of physical and um, physical movement and control of body use. So those contortionist stuff, things, and the way it is, uh, it really plays into this idea of mangling your body. And also, I thought it was a really great allegory, like, um, a great allegory for how society can sometimes bend people until they to get to a breaking point and i mean yeah like his acting was just personally phenomenal also it's like things you have to kind of realize that from his character perspective that when someone suffers from an extreme mental illness and not just like not there's different degrees of mental illness when you suffer from something that's severe that things become important to you that don't make sense to someone who doesn't understand it so, like, when the sign is stolen from him, yeah, you'd be like, oh, just give up. But, like, for him, it doesn't register like that. He's like, this is my job. This is, I need this sign. Why would you do this to me? These are things that people, when they have trouble acknowledging very specific, very simple things of, like, physical interaction, reading bodies, being able to, like, understand social cues. These things don't really fire in the same way as, like, a normal person does. That's why there's a very big disconnect from people who have experience, or at least under, at least know people or done research to it, as opposed to people who don't. When it comes to mental illness, because like it it makes 100% sense the guys they steal a sign and he chases them, and it makes 100% sense that afterwards he doesn't. It's like when he has when the gun falls out of his pocket in the hospital scene. Powerful scene. It's a powerful, mm-hmm. but it's like for him he's like he just. It's like, why do I have have gun with you? He's like, I don't. This was just a prop. It's just that's kind of what was told to him. It's like this is a prop for you. He just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't register. Like he plays with the gun and he shoots it in the apartment. It's like these moments. It's like really shows the way that like you if you and actually it's the line. It's the the the, the famous line that everyone's quoting. The problem with mental illness is they expect you to not ha- to act like you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really big. That is a very important issue to understand in the context of everything that happens in that movie. I think that's a great point. Um, I want you to expand upon it a little bit in terms of what you think about the other characters in the movie. And using that perspective, do you think they should have delved in or could have delved in more into his relationship with some of these side characters? Because it did feel at some points uh, some, some of the characters were a little out of place. For example, Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely felt, I think, a little out of place, but Thomas Wayne, not so much, right? Yeah, Thomas I thought Wayne. that was done very well with mm-hmm. Thomas Wayne, but also in terms of his mother and who he's supposedly dating. Well, when it comes to Bruce Wayne, he has to be there because you have Thomas Wayne there. And, like he doesn't have to. He didn't have to have the extreme. You didn't have to have those moments where he comes face to face. But I thought it was actually very interesting to have that because if you yet again, <clears throat> if you're being told this lie that you are the son of a person. And you've only grown up knowing your mother and feeling alone and feeling disconnected. It's like it would make sense for you to try to find someone who may be your brother. Because this man, this is a man who is just, yet again, like 
the the structure of the story is put with extremes. This is an extreme society. If you make a baby laugh on, uh, if you make a little kid laugh on a bus, nine out of ten times the mother's just gonna laugh at you. You know, like, like laugh back or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. On the way to Joker, I saw a little kid looking at me. I smiled. He laughed, and the mother laughed. So like nine out of ten times the mother is not gonna be like, stop talking to my son because he did nothing. So obviously there's extremes to it, and the mo- and the script does turn it up to on eleven on eleven because they know that. When someone, ha- when you have to sell someone as hitting this ridiculous breaking point, you have to make the extreme pressures around them extreme. Kind of like how a diamond makes pressure. Like you make pressure from a diamond, even though I'm not saying, or like a pearl, whatever. So from a storytelling yeah. perspective, do you both think that utilizing these extremes, which is apparent, right? I think mm-hmm. that's what Todd Phillips was going for. Mm-hmm. The Joker of the character, the character of Joker um, is someone who is extreme. Mm-hmm. And it, regardless of what medium, you know, you're, you're exposed to him. So do you think them reverting to the extremes kind of makes the character of Joker or Arthur Fleck much more sympathetic? And do you think it helps the movie overall or do you think it hurts it? I think it helps the movie in the sense that you can have fun with it. Because at the end of the day, you're getting sold that it's the Joker, right? So you need the extremes just for the bombastic moments. And the silly moments too, like walking into a door that doesn't open. That's a great scene. Yeah. yeah, you need it, man. I mean, listen, Joker. In the end of the day, he's my listen. Joker is my favorite supervillain. <clears throat> he's a he's a character I love, and I've seen him in different incarnations. Incarnations. In the end of the day, he's a killer clown. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So it's like, it makes sense to have extreme situations, and also keep in mind the society he's in is a very extreme. It's it's, it's a, it's it's, a, dumb. it's all about boiling points, and it's like it's a pressure cooker. He's a man born in a pre- he's like living in a pressure cooker. They're having a crazy garbage strike. And if you don't think garbage strikes can cause people to go crazy and protest, you should look at Lebanon right now because that is one that is one of the multiple consistent uh, and constant issues that led people to go to the streets and protest. Which actually funny side note, some people are, are this theory is going around that the Joker actually might have influenced some of those protests, but that's a little more conspiracy theory esque. But there's a society a lot things between when it goes to social economics, this uh, income uh, inequality, disparity, people in the lower end not getting enough money, having trouble affording meds, going through issues, not being able to pay rent, having trouble with this and that. It's just it makes sense to have these extremes lead to an extreme. And yeah, I mean other stuff, yeah, I mean, listen, it's not a perfect movie, but it, I think it does a very good job presenting a cautionary tale for a society that, one, avoids mentally ill people and also just avoids its people, which, when you're focused on wealth and you know, inequality, it goes to that. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that, that point up. Let's talk a little bit about Gotham in this, uh, <laughs> okay. in this movie. Um, because I think that's um, th- there were interesting moments that occurred in the background okay. that I think could have had a much more effect on the development of Arthur Fleck Joker as opposed to the kind of inciting incidences that pushes him over the edge, right? Mm-hmm. So earlier, uh, some I think you brought up the mother and the child. He's standing on the bus. Yeah. He sees the baby. He's like entertaining the baby. Uh, the baby, I think, starts laughing or... Yeah, react like to some like toddler, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like a toddler, and then the mom just kind of interprets it as, "Oh, there's this weird man who's like interacting with my kid, right?" Yes. So that's a very interesting moment because it says a lot about you know kind of the context, right? One is Gotham City. You're probably not going to be as welcoming to to random strangers on the street no, as yeah. you probably would, right? But this is also like a pre-Batman type of society, right? Mm-hmm. So presumably. There's going to be a lot of organized crime, but not super villains, right? No. Because we don't have any indication of that, which I also think is another issue with the movie overall. Mm-hmm. Because for me, when I look at Joker, I think crime syndicate. But yeah, that's well, just a person. That's more of a personal preference. Okay. I was able to remove that kind of from uh, from from Gotham, or not from Gotham. I'm sorry, from Joker the movie. Mm-hmm. But the problem is in Gotham City. I don't think we see a lot. Of those issues, right? You see that people are poor, mm-hmm. but you don't see how they're getting poor, yeah. right? The only people being attacked in the film are the rich. Is is essentially, 
Well, I think it's just Joker, mm-hmm. right? I don't see anyone else getting attacked. I don't remember. Joker, um, the rich. Um, when did the rich get? Like, what do you mean by the rich? Well, I mean, the three oh, people. I meant like in terms of everyone's just mad at them. Not physically in attacked. In the end. But, yeah, well, the three, the three but people. But I'm saying in terms of what you're watching in the movie, yeah. the only person that's being vis- physically or emotionally attacked is yeah. Arthur. Yes. Right? Which, again, it makes yes. sense. It's a correct character study. Yeah. No? If, I mean, movie? when you say the end, what what is your cutoff point? So are you including the, the cops in the subway? Movie up, well, that's what I'm saying. Are you right? including the people who protest? To, including... to kind of continue with that, you have another incident. It's like the cops following Arthur, right? Yeah. And then he just randomly shoots one of these upset people near the end of the film. I thought that was very weird and kind of unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Um, because Wait, you're talking about the cop? Yes, one of the detectives who's following him. Too. Well, but th- again, I'm trying to make a larger point here, right? That you're getting a lot of stuff that's surface level in the background that's not being expanded upon. Yes. Again, you know what I mean? It's like those effects, police harassing you because of a stereotype or whatever, or what's it called? Um, like, like people being um, not as welcoming, mm-hmm. you know, much more like pushy, kind of treating you as the weird norm. I think that might have been... A much more interesting kind of gateway into the exploration of his uh, of Arthur's like detriment or kind of like deterioration as a person. I think that would have been much more valuable than like three guys bullying him in the subway. I, or like I agree with you, but for me personally, I think it's just movie movie logic. They need to show it immediately, and the three guys bullying him that were also wealthy was like the easiest way to convey the point in like literally like five minutes as compared to expanding on another 10, 15. So it's just, it's, it's the problem with movies, unfortunately. Like if it's a TV show, plenty of time to expand upon that. But movies, it's always just get the scene done to like show as much as you can in a single moment. Also, it's just the fact it's like the more you focus on the, the world itself, the more you're taking away from the actual focus of the character himself. Like it needs to be joke. The, we're definitely seeing things through the eyes of Joker. I don't think there's any scenes. I don't think there's any scenes that don't have him in it. If I remember correctly, I think he's in every single scene. He's a driver, or at least the perspective of every single scene. And I think they show enough of um, the environment around him to kind of give an idea what's going on. You have constant news playing in the background, her watching stuff, more uh, Murray talking about things. Um, honestly, I didn't find that that scene with the sh- the cop weird, honestly, because. Mm-hmm. Cops have been shooting people for way less reasons, for walking into the wrong place or things like that. So if I'm if a cop is on a train with a bunch of people protesting the government and two or three get close and he feels like he's pushing two people and getting worried, I wouldn't see why he would go for that. I mean, the, actually, the gun is shown in this movie as a very big tool of power in trying to regain control. And it makes sense when Arthur tries to use it, but he doesn't understand and he, he starts... To realize what its negative effects, but also for him, because he's in the opposite perspective. For him, it's a positive. But the cop is really the only other person in the movie who uses the gun, and when he uses it, it leads to extreme negative effects and actually incites more chaos and more uh, riots. Because and actually, that scene is a perfect example of um, chaos and not revenge. Because Arthur does not want to talk with the cops because he's trying to do his own thing, and literally him going through the subway system and and the cops chasing him. And it pretty much leads to continuous chaos, just uh, the dodging the right, wrong way or pushing someone, leading to the fight, this and that. It's kind of showing you the fact of like he's got he's gone past that point because if I remember correctly, that is supposed to killing his mother, so he's kind of lost a lot of the things at that point. And yeah, so he's trying to escape from the cops. I think at that point he wasn't just mm-hmm. trying to normally just do whatever he was very much running within that and yes the, you do bring up a good point there is that case that's kind of when the chaos starts to occur right and he's able to get away with that um so again there is a lot to unpack with this movie hands down um but i want to ask one final question before i get your final thoughts so i guess um you know uh, joker revolutionary icon or um should we shift away from that kind of paradigm that, or not paradigm but like a uh, representation that's kind of shown at the end right where he's like propped up when he's you know taken away from the police car that's been um so, demolished and yeah so what uh what's the question? sorry do you, do you think he should be as a character 
kind of like a revolutionary. Uh, Absolutely icon. not. Um, and uh, that comes back to the incel argument. Right? I agree like with you, you with that too. It's just yeah. going to lead to so much shit. I mean, that was the problem a lot of critics had with this movie. There were there was originally a lot of positive reception, but the biggest concern was this is just a figurehead for a movement that really shouldn't have any more power or authority. You shouldn't throw more fuel into it. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. the The revolution part in the movie was not one of my favorite moments personally. I just liked seeing him devolve. I didn't need that stuff personally. I would have been happy if the movie ended right after he shot the guy in the head in the uh, talk show. But that's just me personally. Um, I mean, obviously, Joker should not be a revolutionary figure. But I mean, that's just every incarnation of Joker should not be a revolutionary figure. But I do like that scene because it kind of shows the fact that so. When it comes to politics and it comes to issues with politics, a lot of these issues, especially when it comes to social economics and economic and fiscal issues, it's tougher, it's more tough for people to have a physical, tangible grasp on these issues. If you're having issues with, for example, um, anti-gay rhetoric, you can, you can think to your mind of someone who is gay or lesbian and part of the LGBTIA community. Um, so you're able to actually, like, okay, this is a person who's going to be affected by these policies, et cetera, et cetera. It's in that. So a lot of these movements, and you could make this argument with cult of personalities, you can make this argument with uh, the president themselves, you can make this argument with uh, political leaders and revolutionaries over time being praised, that movements and intangible ideas need a tangible figurehead. So I like the idea that within that movie, even though it was this isolated incident, people said, okay, this is, this is something that's taken out of context and we're going to make this person a figurehead, which obviously I don't think that should happen in real life, but I think it's actually a good kind of example and a critique of how a lot of times these people kind of just get catapulted to a front of a movement just to kind of represent it. Cause they're like, Oh, how do we recommend, how do we, you know, support this idea. Well, this person is supporting this idea, so I support this person. I actually think it's a very kind of an interesting critique of how society works. Do you think uh, Phillips intended him to be kind of like a kind of like the spark of a revolutionary type of movement within that universe? W- within the context of the of the, of the film, of the film, yeah. I think he his intention, and I think he had a co-writer, and I apologize that we don't know if that's the case. I think he has a co-writer in that. So Solar. if that's the case, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think their intention with it was that when it came to Joker, it was actually accidental. It was just the, the it was just a product of random actions happening. I don't think he actually I don't think he intended Joker to be this revolutionary figure. Or it happened like that. I think it was just purely coincidence that the Joker, it's just, it's, honestly, it's chaos. It's just a random happenstance that he just happened to be, his thing happened to be caught on, on by the papers, and his thing happened to be in the right place and right time when the cop car got hit, and he just happened to be this, he was happening to wear his work clothes, which gave the, the, um, the aesthetic inspiration for these people protesting. And the fact is that in that moment, Joker, the whole movie, is looking for the, for the goal of making people happy and people loving him. He's a man. He's a man who grew up with that attention, with that love, with that support, without being acknowledged as an individual, being shafted, this and that. So. Joker, Arthur Fleck does not expect any of this, any of this shit had to happen. He has this idea of what he did and this and that, but when he's on that car hood and he sees people cheering him and they're looking like him and his face, that's where, that's where he truly kind of transforms. And the Joker, as a character when it comes to his, his comic um, counterpart, like, he is driven by whether it's chaos or organi- or like chaotic organization or this and that. He is always a character who demands an audience. And that's the audience he got on a, on a general sense of the crowd. And he gets the audience at the end as the person in the insane asylum talking with them. Okay. So um, it was co-written by uh, Scott Silver. Okay. Hmm. Um, Shout so out to Scott. Wrote, um, the Fighter, and also, um, oh, what was that other famous movie you wrote? I just had it to you. Silver Linings Playbook. Definitely not that one, 8 Mile. 
<laughs> Another joke. So a whole new take on the uh, rabbit over there. Um, okay, so really quickly, just give me your final thoughts and leave a recommendation on whether people should check out the Joker flick if they have not seen it. Um, for me, uh, check it out to see an awesome depiction of somebody breaking down mentally. Um, but for me, it just wasn't the biggest like Joker Joker character. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely would give it a shot. If anything, just for Joaquin's performance. Amazing. That's it. You should watch it for Joaquin's performance. You should watch it to see um, a take on how a society that ignores his people, mental illness, can be detrimental, even though it's an extreme case. And also, if you're going to go see it, you have to keep in mind that this is its own individual Joker. Because if you try coming in with the, ex- uh, the expectations of it matching someone or comparing it to someone, then you're going to be setting yourself up for um, not an enjoyable experience, and you have to come in and enjoy it within the world it presents. And that's something I've learned over the years. So go watch it for the Joker that's portrayed within this movie. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's great. Um, definitely worth at least one watch. If you don't want to spend the money on it, don't. Um, but definitely do check it out if you are a fan of the genre. Um, Joaquin is great, hands down. Um, but I think it, it, you know, I'm still pretty middle of the road down with the, the film. There are some aspects that I adore and there are some that I don't. Um, but I think it'll lead the way for a lot more interesting discussion and hopefully a lot more interesting films and kind of shift away from this like Zack Snyder first that everyone's been building up at Warner Brothers in DC. Go watch Shazam. Go watch Shazam. Shazam is a great movie. It's on home media and it's the complete opposite of what DC has been putting out. So watch it. Cool. Well, my name is Jad. I am one of the writers here at The Work Print. You can follow me at, at Jad Cato, uh, J-A-D-K-A-A-D-O. Um, you can also read my different articles on The Work Print as well as some other sites. Um, quickly say goodbye, everyone. Hi, uh, this is Christian. You guys know me by now, I hope. Uh, you can follow me at XN underscore Angelus on uh, Instagram and Twitter, Christian Angelus on Facebook, and yeah, that's it. It's Pasam, signing off. You can follow me at BKado, B-K-A-A-D-O, on Twitter, Instagram. You can also find me at WorkPrints. And yeah, say hi. Yeah, uh, this is the episode, uh, first episode of Movie Talk, I guess, technically. Technically, yes. Or one of the first episodes. Um, <laughs> so the it's, the, or it's the origin story. <laughs> it's the origin. Yeah. It's the Joker story of this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, please leave us any comments, your thoughts, share this, uh, let us know what you think about the movie. It took us a little time to kind of sit together and discuss it because uh, you know we had to ruminate a lot but we hope you enjoyed it and we'll hear you next time yeah yes and happy halloween and happy halloween <laughs>